Surely someone on the outside might have found it bizarre to see us trying to figure out the best way to chop off somebody's head or the most effective way to drive an arrow through a camper's throat. But we were energized with laughter and adrenaline and the naughty hope of putting on a kind of crazy magic show. We kept pushing forward, one foot in front of the next, until we found ourselves at a Boy Scout camp in Blairstown, New Jersey, getting ready to shoot the movie at a place we renamed Crystal Lake. Hey, hey, gays and ghouls. I'm Katie Toole. And I'm Sean Reedy. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about hope, laughter, and decapitation. Yes, it is. Get that head gone. (laughs) (laughs) So this may come as a shock given today's date, but we are in fact talking about Friday the 13th. It is here (laughs) in November. (laughs) Friday the 13th. (laughs) <laughs> i mean we couldn't not we had to do it we have to do it because that's what is i feel like just going to happen i i feel like can i just call a thing now sure every friday the 13th we talk about a friday the 13th movie i mean there are enough of them i mean we got 10 yeah 10 or 11 yeah yeah so we got options we got several friday the 13th to get through so absolutely and here's your first uh little tidbit because i didn't know this until i was doing the research for this episode Mm -hmm. and i love this so much okay Mm -hmm. so when the movie starts well when the movie starts it's like you know crystal lake 1958 right Right. but then when it goes to the present day when it goes to 1980 it says friday june 13th this movie was released on may 9th despite the fact that Friday, June 13th was the next month. Like, why didn't they just wait? Right. June 13th in 1980 was a Friday. They could have literally released this movie on the date that they say it's happening on at the beginning of the film. But they released it a month before that. Do not ask me why. That is an opportunity missed. I mean, (laughs) what the fuck, Cunningham? What's wrong with you? Pair about. Um... (laughs) Damn it, Paramount! Damn it, Paramount! <laughs> Don't you know? What have you done? So. Shocktail Hour. It's here. We're queer. <laughs> <laughs> that we are. Why am I singing so much? I don't know. You're very singy today. <laughs> I like it. I'm not complaining at all. Like, let's sing. Let's do Friday the 13th the musical. You know. My that, boy, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> kill her, mommy, kill her. Kill her, mommy, kill her. <laughs> It's got a death curse. 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 Um. It's got a death curse. Has I wait? <laughs> I've got a death curse. Yes, I do. I've got a death curse. How about you? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop. Okay, tonight's shock tale is called the Crystal Lake. So fitting. So fitting. I mean, you know, uh, the Crystal Lake consists of a shot of tequila. Mm-hmm. 
half an ounce of dry vermouth. Yum. And half an ounce of pickled jalapeno juice. For that little kick. A little kick. A little thing. I personally used hot and sweet pickled jalapenos, and I think that gave it a nice um, sort of dimension where it wasn't just spicy. It also had mm-hmm. that little bit of sweetness. Uh, I did not have mezcal, but I think mezcal would be very good in this drink as well. So yeah. if you have some, go ahead and throw that in there. Mm-hmm. And let us know if it's better with tequila or mezcal. Just get get yourself shit-faced for science. Yeah. Okay. Dip that toe in. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we start the film with, you know, the counselors, camp counselors singing with the guitar. Two in of them go off yeah. in 1958. Mm-hmm. Two of them go off to have sex in the attic of some... Wherever they are. Wherever some they're at. campy place. Yes. And then both of them end up getting murdered. As you do. As it happens. And then we skip forward 20 years. Ish. Yeah. Around, right around 20 years. Um to in the movie of course present day on friday the 13th in june and we are i mean we have the one counselor that is making her way up to crystal lake herself there's already the counselors there they're having a good time smoking some weed drinking some beer Mm -hmm. um and then um i guess starting throughout the night they all start to get killed off one by one. That's true. Well, it starts in the middle of the day because it, that first one gets knocked off in the first five minutes of the film. She show does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Annie gets her throat slit. Yes. In the woods mm-hmm. by a mysterious person who is driving her to the camp. Yes. So someone who she feels safe getting in the car with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the 70s. So Yeah. I mean. They got in the car with a lot of people. I mean, she got in the car with the random stranger at first. Uh, right, exactly. The truck driver. So, yeah, that's, you know. Um, and, you know, the actual real life history of people getting in cars with strangers and then bad things happening. Right. So, don't do that. <laughs> don't do it. So, uh, so yeah, the, the murders do start in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it definitely picks up quite a bit once the uh right night falls yes once the storm rolls in actually is really when it starts mm-hmm. um we call that a metaphor well i was just gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> I, we are in sync always <laughs> um 100 emoji right 100 um and then of course we get to final girl um final girl final girl alice alice um, who is trying to, like, ends up finding the counselors. Actually, ends up finding the counselors that you don't know how they were murdered initially. Mm-hmm. Um, meets Mrs. Voorhees. She meets Pamela Voorhees, yes. Um, whom is a fucking basket case. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems nice at first. Seems, seems like ni- she's there to help. Yeah, and it turns for the worse. And she's a mom, so yep, you believe her. She looks like someone you can trust. Right, because she looks like a mom. Right. Um, and then, uh, the... It's one bad money. Right. Uh-huh. And then the fight for survival happens, and then there's a, just a slight beheading. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just a slight, you know, just a quick little whoop. Um. Just take a little off the top there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then 
we pretty much get to the end of the film at that point. Yep, that's the whole movie. That, there it is. There it is. So there's your plot. There's your plot. <laughs> oh, can I say one thing? Yes, please. Because I didn't really ever realize this until today, mm -hmm. that the twist at the end of this, that mm -hmm. Mrs. Voorhees is the killer, mm -hmm. is basically the exact inverse of Psycho. <laughs> exactly the inverse of Psycho. Right? Like, so in that one, the like the young man is is sort of like hearing the voice of or embodying his dead mother. Right. And it's triggered by his sexual urges. Yes. Right. In this one, it's a mother who is hearing the voice of her dead son. Mm -hmm. She's being triggered by other people's sexual urges. Like Yeah. Yeah. Never sure realized sure that before, but it's just like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, don't fuck at camp, guys, because you're gonna get killed. You're gonna get killed. I mean, that is that is the central. If you take one lesson away from Friday the Thirteenth, mm -hmm. don't fuck in the woods. No, really, any of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, stop. Like, like lesson number one: do not fuck in the woods. Yeah, keep your top on. Yep. Keep your pants on. Keep it in there. Mm -hmm. Locked up tight. <laughs> Just go to bed. Just go to sleep. <laughs> Let's talk about the development and production of this film. Please do. Because. The Friday the 13th franchise gets a bad rep because it is ridiculous. <laughs> like, we, we will fully admit that. Mm -hmm. However, this movie, when it came out, like, try to transport yourself back to 1980. Like, mm -hmm. try to put yourself in a world in which Friday the 13th does not exist. Right. And then imagine that you're going into a theater to watch Friday the 13th. Right? Uh it was a sensation. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason it was a sensation is because of Sean S. Cunningham. Yeah. And he does not get talked about enough. Like, he, is, he should be up there mm -hmm. with Craven and Carpenter and um, Hooper, right? Like, you hear about these sort of, like, horror movie giants. This franchise is the highest grossing horror movie franchise of all time. It has grossed more than Michael Myers. It has grossed more than Freddy. The Jason movies are the most profitable horror films of all time taken together. And no one ever talks about Sean Cunningham. And he, like, Weird. produced this. He directed it. Yeah. Like, this was his baby. Mm -hmm. And he delivered really a whole new genre. I would argue, and I've seen other people argue this, too, that while Halloween was, you know, obviously an incredibly important film and a huge influence on this film... That Friday the 13th is the first true slasher. Yeah, I would con completely concur with that. Right? Like, mm -hmm. Halloween is sort of a proto-slasher. Like, Halloween takes itself a little bit too seriously to be called a true slasher. Yeah. Right? Because I think that the, the, defining, the defining characteristic... I mean, there are a few, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's always teenagers, right? They are usually ripping each other's clothes off. Yep. There's the sort of virtuous, wholesome, virginal final girl. Mm -hmm. um, there's the psychotic killer. But I think that the element that Friday the 13th brought that really cemented all of that together was the over-the-top death scenes. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, Michael strangled people and stabbed people. Right. Like, he was actually a fairly realistic depiction until you got to the part where like he was thrown out a window after being shot and then right. walked away up until then he was a fairly realistic depiction of a serial killer 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like he was a disorganized serial killer who just grabbed whatever ever weapon was nearby. Right? Crime of opportunity. Right. Pamela Voorhees has style. Yes. Right? Like she's not just going to kill you. She's going to kill you in a creative way. Yep. And that is what took off. And that's what came to sort of define the slasher genre. Like mm-hmm. when we were talking about Halloween and I talked about comparing Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. Halloween 2 is post this. Because Halloween 2 is post Friday yes. the 13th. And and the death scenes got turned up to 11. Yep. Because of this movie. Mm-hmm. I guarantee it. Well, and I mean, we can definitely thank special effects legend Tom Savini. Yes. Tom Savini made this movie. Yes. The ending, when Jason pops out of the water, was 100% Tom Savini's idea. Yes, it sure was. And Friday the 13th is not Friday the 13th without that. No. That is what made this movie legendary. Because people lost their minds when that happened. Mm -hmm. And I love that he was inspired, like what inspired that thought in creating that scene Mm -hmm. was because he had just watched Carrie. He had just watched Carrie. (laughs) <laughs> and he's just like that had a great jump scare right right let's at the end this. there yeah let's do that yeah but like let's do it with my instead of just a hand coming out of the ground let's do it with my like mad makeup skills to make this crazy looking decomposing body of a child right even though it doesn't make any sense but i mean it didn't it didn't well it did it didn't once jason was then suddenly an adult <laughs> right like if you take the first movie by itself it makes perfect sense oh yeah absolutely. it's when you start adding the others that you're like what's happening how did you become an adult when you're dead how'd you become an adult when you're dead have you been alive the whole time if so then why was your mother crazy i don't understand like you are died you 20 a years... zombie right because you died you 20 years bigger. ago did you just like swell in the water i mean it happens <laughs> like one of those little sponge toys like the dinosaur that you give me gross <laughs> um I oh mean... my god do you think they make one of those that is Jason? Because if they don't, then why? And we're making them. <laughs> copyright. 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 Don't steal that idea. That it's copyright. probably already been done. It's probably. It may, well, maybe. We'll maybe. see. We'll see. we'll see. We'll look. We will be like Sean Cunningham, who literally had the idea for the title of Friday the 13th before he had any other idea mm-hmm. of the film at all. And so with nothing but the title... He ran a full page ad <laughs> in the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, advertising it as the most terrifying film ever made. Friday the 13th. Yeah, because he started advertising it and then started trying to, then he started auditioning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they didn't have a script. Yeah. And he was like, most terrifying film. And like, people that advertisement resonated with people. And they're like, oh, cool. <laughs> when this movie coming out? And he's like, fuck. Now we have to make the movie. <laughs> now like, we have now. to make this. <laughs> right this moment. <laughs> right here. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, so the quote that I said uh, before the theme song started playing is from a book called Crystal Lake Memories. And I just want to shout that out specifically because pretty much all the information that I'm going to give you today came from that. And it is such a cool book because it is everyone speaking in their own voice because it's based on interviews. Um, and so, you know, you, you get to sort of get the, um, personalities of Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller and Henry Mandafrini and, um, Wes Craven also, who was not directly involved in the film, 
but he and Sean Cunningham were friends. They had made Last House on the Left together. Right. right? So um, so he was also mm-hmm. interviewed for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, and you just, uh, so yeah, so go go read that book because it's fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it about the rest of the franchise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so mm-hmm. here is Sean Cunningham advertising a film that he has not made, mm-hmm. that he hasn't even started. And he pulled it off. <laughs> and well. And well. And, and like successfully. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so before he made this movie, mm-hmm. he made porn. Why didn't I know that? Right. And also. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I kind of so, want to see how his porn stylized. Right. I mean, so, I'm, I'm assuming it's straight porn, so I'm going to not be into it. But I'll watch it. Yeah, I think his was straight porn. So, obviously, this is well outside the purview of this podcast, but the porn industry in the 70s is fascinating. Like, it was a wild time. (laughs) And one of the things that I learned in this book, just a little side fact here, they had movies called, quote unquote, white coaters, right? And what that meant is at the beginning of the movie, they would have somebody there in a white coat pretending to be a scientist or a doctor who Mm -hmm. would introduce the film as if it was an educational video. Like we're going to show you, we're going to show you marriage practices in Denmark, I think was the example that they gave. And then it's just like an hour of, of people having sex. So quote unquote marriage practices. And then at the end, the white coat guy would come back and be like, yeah, so now, now you know that thing. Right. And this allowed them. I'm not kidding. Like, this is one of my new favorite facts in the world. This allowed them having these like book ended on this like hardcore porn. Right. Having this book ended of this guy who was pretending to be a scientist claim that it was educational allowed them to run these movies in regular theaters. Uh, Wild. It was a wild time, man. (laughs) To be alive in the 70s. To be alive in the 70s. How crazy. Um, God bless. So, yeah. So, he made porn. Uh, He also made a couple of children's films. Mm -hmm. He was really just trying to make anything to sort of scrape by, right? Because the thing about all of these guys, like Craven and Cunningham, even Carpenter and, uh, you know, several other of his collaborators on this film, is that they were, like, living truly bohemian lives like in one of the interviews there's a guy's like yeah i was living as a ski bum in colorado i'm like of course you were (laughs) what else would you be doing in 1977 right like what the fuck so he was really scraping by he and craven both were really scraping by and then they made the last house on the left which made them a rather significant chunk of money yeah that did fairly well in the box Um, office yeah and and it it sort of you know gain this instant sort of cult status and notoriety. Um, and Craven went to Hollywood. Right. Right. Cunningham did not. Mm-hmm. He stayed on the East Coast. Um, and he was he was really struggling until he was like, okay, my only success. And he didn't want to do another horror film. He didn't want to do another horror film. Interesting. But he was like, okay, my only success has been this horror film so let's try that again i have this title friday the 13th 
Let's build a movie around that. And they did. Uh, their budget was about 500000 Yep. All raised themselves. They scraped that money together. They were completely independent. They brought on Tom Savini, as we already talked about, which was mm-hmm. the by far the best decision that they made. Tom Savini had gained his... Well, I mean, he was trained by Dick Smith. But he had sort of gained his cred by that point, um, working with Romero on Dawn of the Dead. Right. Right. So he he was legit already. And then I think that Friday the 13th really launched him into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, because that final scene with Jason is completely iconic. I mean, it's a 10 out of 10 jump scare. Like, it really is. You're like, it. Like when you are not, like you were not expecting that at all. Right. You thought the movie was over. Mm-hmm. That was originally the plan. The movie was supposed to be over at that right. point. Yeah. And then all Tom of a sudden. Tom was like, what if we. <laughs> but if we just have him leaping out of the lake. Also, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen this anywhere, but like, they got that kid out of that water. Oh like, yeah, they you, sure as shit did. You kind of have to wonder: was there like somebody who was underneath him, just like that? Like, long, he had to have launched out of there somehow, right? He, or must have been standing on a platform because, like, he came out of there like a fucking porpoise, and you're yeah. just like, wow. Jumped up, grabbed her, and pulled her in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, or did he? Oh, because then he? she's safe in the hospital, right? She is mm. safe, dry, and everything. We didn't see a boy. There was no boy. There's no boy out there. That must mean he's still in the lake. Sorry. Um. <laughs> uh, well, and so I know that you mentioned that the budget was, it was, so it was 550000 550000 yeah, yeah. I wrote that down. Um, I also wrote down what they did gross domestically. Okay. Awesome. Which was um, just under $40 million. I mean... And uh, just under sixty million uh, worldwide. Okay, I believe. So, <laughs> I believe. I believe I got my facts right, but I might be wrong in that one. So that's an insane profit. Yeah, that's an insane profit. And here is the difference. And this, I think, is a result of making this movie in a world that was post Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. The difference between the story of this film and the story of Halloween is that this film got major studio distribution. Yeah. Right? Paramount picked up this film to distribute it. Not only did they decide to distribute the film, which I believe is called a negative pickup. What a negative pickup means is when a studio buys the rights, essentially, to an independently made film. Okay. Right? They pay the producer of the film a fixed amount Mm -hmm. and then they have rights to any money made thereafter right okay generally if the if the film does even a little bit well this is a great deal for the studio right right um obviously when a film grosses 60 million dollars it's a great day for the studio right Oh, and what I just learned, the reason that I, I got all excited when I was reading uh, the Wikipedia on negative pickups to make sure that I was saying the right words, because that's the thing we do constantly, just so you know. So the term negative doesn't mean like negative dollars. It doesn't mean like negative as in not good. It means film negatives. Like they've literally picked up the negatives because the film is already made. Oh. Right? 
Interesting. Okay. Fun fact. Fun fact. So not only did Paramount agree to distribute the film, but they gave it a marquee marketing campaign, which is really something that a film like this had never had before. They also distributed it wide. It opened in 1,100 screens, which doesn't seem like that many now. Right? Like, you're like, yeah, duh. But but that's still a decent amount. In 1980? Yeah, that's... For a movie like this? Mm-hmm. Unheard of. Right? Like, this is the type of movie that would have gone to drive-ins and grindhouses. Right. And it went wide distribution. And it paid off. Because not only did it make a ton of money in its own right, but it launched an entire subgenre. Which I kind of love. Like, here is here is what I love about this. And and this this applies to all of these guys, like Craven and Cunningham and Hooper and Carpenter and all of them. Mainstream wasn't working for them. And so they were sort of pushed into these sort of seedy corners, right? Like, like porn or exploitation films or like weird documentaries, stuff like that. So what they did, instead of, like, conforming to what the mainstream was at the time, they simply brought that shit into the mainstream. So it, to touch on that a little bit, mm-hmm. um, on things that they created, just a small blip of something that they they created within the horror genre that they created as, like, a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, they This movie started the, like that comical character that always gets killed. Ned. Ned yep. is the creation of this. Mm-hmm. He's the yeah. first one that really, he's the first character that was really within the horror genre that creates this stereotype. Yeah. And they're always like the first to go. Yeah. Every time. I mean, he was. <laughs> well, no, he Except wasn't. for Annie. Yeah. He was the first at the camp to go. Right. He was the first, like they didn't even know that the other girl was coming right they thought that she just bailed Mm -hmm. um he was the first one who disappeared no you're absolutely right like the the sex crazed Mm -hmm. but gets none yep right pranks everybody at Mm -hmm. least once into thinking that he's dead Mm -hmm. before he actually dies yep it's almost always a guy sometimes like in later films it has been a girl. Yeah, but it is usually. It's usually a guy. Yeah. Um, you are absolutely right, though. I didn't even think of that, but you are absolutely right. Ned mm-hmm. is the first one. Yeah. I can't think of another one. Yeah, he started before that. Before him. He started that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Harry Manfredini. Yes. And his music. Is. So, let me rephrase my earlier statement. Mm-hmm. Tom Savini and Harry Manfredini made this movie made this movie 100 percent. yeah like because his score is it is what people remember yeah so like we're we're some we're some horror films like we've discussed like with halloween and Mm -hmm. and as i mentioned with like it follows like they can be more simplistic Mm -hmm. and that works really well for the film Mm -hmm. this is in certain ways simplistic like but it's a full orchestra. No, yeah, it's a symphonic. It's a yeah. symphonic work, and it is beautiful. It really is, and it is iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that uh, 
Harry Manfredini did specifically throughout the film is he only actually had the music playing whenever the killer was nearby or on screen. Yes. And I think that was a brilliant decision Mm -hmm. because it gave such a, well, it was a brilliant decision. And I think that he used it very well. I don't think that we can necessarily credit him with that idea because they definitely did that in Jaws. Yes, he was inspired by Jaws, actually. He that was inspired was... by Jaws. And yeah. I think we should also point out that he was also inspired by um, Bernard Herrmann's um, score for Psycho. Like, yes. there are some very similar passages, oh, for sure. But yeah, but yeah I mean, he, he brought that all together. Mm-hmm. That just made the music in this film incredibly effective. Yes. Absolutely. Right down to the... the right? Like, that... Sends chills down your spine, mm-hmm. first of all. Like, it's such a creepy noise. But also, it's a clue to the twist. Right. And it plays the whole time. The whole entire time. Right. Because ki 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 ma ma ma, which it is not, what was it? What did everyone think of the chi chi chi? It, it's so ch- it's. Ch- ch- right. Ch- 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 That's what they think. Right. Like, or like, like people have thought that it's supposed to be laughing. Right. Um, but no, it is ki 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 ma ma ma. Yes. And it's supposed to be kill Kill mama. mommy. Yeah, kill mommy, kill mm-hmm. mommy. Yes. And that was actually Sean S. Cunningham saying that into a recorder. Like he said, I think he just says kill and mommy. Oh, or and they ma, cut it down? And they cut it down and edited the fuck out of it. And like, I, uh, in a... Lots of reverb. Um, yes. In a... Like on a mixer, they just like turn shit around and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. <laughs> and, they, and they use it through the entire film. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it, it is one of the most recognizable horror themes yeah. of all time. You hear it and you immediately know it. Obviously it's Friday the like, 13th. Jason. Yeah. I mean, not Jason, well, but. But still Jason. Later. Yeah. <laughs> they still use it for Jason. Nine out of 10 films, it's Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a toothpaste ad. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Can I talk about real quickly, just a real quick aside to say my favorite thing about the Friday the 13th franchise? Yes. So I mentioned that my favorite thing about the Halloween franchise is every 20 years they erase the whole goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about the Friday the 13th franchise is that there are two, count them two, movies in this franchise with the word final in the title. Neither of them is the last movie in the series. <laughs> <laughs> there's friday the yep. 13th 4 the final chapter the final chapter in which jason is killed right and then he comes back mm-hmm. and then there's jason goes to hell the final friday which is again in which he is literally obliterated to the point that his soul is like jumping fucking bodies right trying to find a newborn baby so that he can be born again mm-hmm. which what <laughs> and then like his mask is dragged to hell by freddy and sets up freddy versus jason that then took 20 fucking years to make but right. still freddy versus jason happened and so did jason x after that so still not the last movie still had final in the title and then again the the remake of the original right the remake of the original but even if you count that as a separate Which series isn't even a remake of the original because he is still the killer that's true <laughs> There has been no official remake. There of the has been no one. remake because they just cut out Pamela Voorhees entirely. Yeah. They're like, who needs her? I mean, let's be real though. Betsy Palmer didn't even want to do this movie. Betsy Palmer did not want to do this movie. She thought that it was crap. 
Yep. She thought it was not going to go anywhere. She had like another project yeah. over here and she was like, this is what's going to make the money. And like, no one remembers that. No. Like, she she did this because she needed money to buy a car. Yep. <laughs> and then this is 100% the movie that she is known for. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Like ask anybody. Well, I mean, ask anybody who Betsy Palmer is, but. Right. If they, if they know who she is, it's because of this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, and just a. I, I maybe we did touch on it a little bit, but this I mean this movie was inspired like Sean S. Cunningham was inspired to make this movie because of Halloween. Oh yes, yes. I mean mm-hmm. I think we we I think we've implied that, but yeah. yes, absolutely. The success of Halloween, mm-hmm. like even though we did say it's sort of a proto slasher, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit it's a little bit on on the on the edge of the genre, right? right? Like because it's a it is a little bit too um, arty. Yes. Right. It's not quite exploitative enough mm-hmm. to be called like a true slasher. Um, but the success of that film and the idea that you could scrape together $300,000 and end up making a movie that was, you know, industry defining. Right. <laughs> right. Inspired a lot of yeah. filmmakers and Cunningham was one of them for mm-hmm. sure. And like I said, the reason that this movie got the negative pickup and the marquee marketing and the wide distribution was because they were like, well, fuck. Carpenter did it. Why can't we? Mm-hmm. Right? Should we go through the murders? Sure. Because I have a favorite too. Do you have a favorite? I have a favorite. Oh, I, I have like a favorite. It's, I feel it's like probably the same one. It's probably the same one. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. So... So we so I'll start from the beginning. So of course we have um Barry and Claudette. Oh yes. See, you know, no one ever remembers them, but you have to remember them because that's the It's a start. Right. That's where that's, that's where the, the murders little, begin. Yep. That's the little Easter egg at the end of like mm-hmm. tying together the entire thing of like Pamela Voorhees has been a killer the whole time. Right. Right. And that's why they didn't react to her initially as horrified as they did because they knew the her right they were just like oh no we're going to be in trouble yeah because the authority figure found us or like the quasi authority figure found us mm-hmm. necking right in the barn or wherever the fuck they were mm-hmm. but yeah that is that that is absolutely mm-hmm. and we should say that and and this is a credit to cunningham and his directing even though this is kind of a silly movie cinematography oh is fantastic absolutely right like the point of view shots of the killer Mm -hmm. like yes carpenter did that too but yes i think it happens a lot more in this movie and it's just so effective yeah um especially since in halloween you know who the killer is right right like the mystery of it like out of whose eyes are we seeing exactly exactly right um, where was I going with that? Oh, but the, the freeze frame on the girl's face, Ugh. right? On Claudette's face. Mm-hmm. When she realizes that in fact, this is not nice Mrs. Voorhees who cooks her dinners. This is, you know, the woman who just stabbed her boyfriend and now she's going to kill her. Yep. Right. Is just, I mean, gorgeous. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then next you have sweet innocent poor annie poor annie just trying to get to her job and and i feel hitchhiking like so many girls did and and i feel extra bad for her because 
like she even talks about it with Mrs. Voorhees that she's just excited to like be there for the children and like she feel like she fe- I believe right. she feels like like people don't want to do this job and, and actually you know well I guess that she was triggered by the idea of the camp being opened at all yes yes so I I understand that like I that's was gonna why she say that like her. right I was gonna say that like if if you go by the like she only kills the kids that she sees having sex but I guess that's not true throughout the entire movie mm-hmm and she just doesn't want the camp to open. Yeah, that's that's either. her whole thing. That's she's her like motivation. Yeah, she's like I can't let this camp open, so we're going to not let it happen. We're just going to kill everybody. Yeah. Until they either run away or they're all dead. Yep. I mean, she's she's a mission-based killer. Yeah. For sure. Um so Annie gets her throat slit, slit after running well, she jumps out of the fast-moving jeep. Mm-hmm. Tries Hurts running herself. away. Yeah. Yeah, she ends up hurting her ankle. Uh and then ends up Getting her throat slit, throat slit. That's what kind of starts the. She's really good with the knife in the beginning. Yeah, really I mean, about she, the, yeah, she does. She she endure. She enjoys blades. Yeah, she's a like fan. she likes sharp things. Mm-hmm. That's that's how she rolls. Um, and then of course next we have Ned. Ned, poor Ned. Um, poor Ned. Poor Nettie. Um, who also has a throat slit, mm-hmm. which you don't see until right before. You get to see Jack killed. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Okay, so can we talk about the whole um, sexist punishment thing or punishment for sex thing in slashers really quick? Oh, since yeah. We yeah, are yeah. at this part. Mm-hmm. So absolutely a thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, clearly, especially women, yes. right? are being punished for their sexuality by being brutally murdered in slashers. It is it is misogynistic and it is real. Mm-hmm. Also, adjacent to that. Adjacent. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. Um, <laughs> I think part of the reason that... It is so effective. So yes, all of that, the sexist punishment, the misogyny, yes, that mm-hmm. is all true. Also, the murders immediately immediately after sex scenes is effective because how vulnerable are you in that moment? Right? That like, is when you are at your most vulnerable. That is when you're at your most vulnerable. You don't have any clothes on. You're all like relaxed. Mm-hmm. Jack, Jack is his name, right? Yeah, Jack. Mm-hmm. Jack's just like laying there. And then there's something dripping on his face. And then he's dead. Yeah. Right? So, yes, Jack... Is, is my favorite. Yeah, he is absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> so we both have the same favorite murder. We have the same favorite. Because it's so well done. And I think it's... it. It's beca- oh, my God. It is the last thing that you expect. Yeah. Because you just see... You're, you're sitting there. He's laying in bed. Is he smoking a cigarette? I think... I think he might be. He's either smoking a cigarette or like they were smoking a cigarette together and Marcy took it. Right. Like but, I know he's I know he's laying in bed. But it's it's very like, you know, he just he just had sex. Yeah. He's living his best. Right? And uh Same. and Go then he's it. he's Get just laying it. There, right? Right? Getting it in. Um Jesus. he got it in. Got it in. <laughs> ah. <Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> um laying there and then all of a sudden Blood drips on his forehead. He wipes it away and he's like, what the fuck? And then suddenly, oh, 
You want to say something? You think that that is going to be the scary thing. Right. Him you finding think, it. Yes. You think that the scary moment is when he's going to find his... Really, I mean, he annoys the hell out of him, but it's his best friend. Right. Right? His best friend's body mm -hmm. in this bunk above him. And realize that he had been having sex right. in a bunk under a corpse, which is... Eh. Right? Mm-hmm. So you are so focused on that. And then... <sighs> and then suddenly... Fucking arrow through the neck. But first, you hear the gurgling. Yep. Like, you hear it go through his neck. And the practical effect of that, of it going through, you seeing it poking through, you see it moving around. Yes, the sort of like the playing with the structure of the throat. Like, it doesn't go through like jello. It goes through like she's having to actually. And the sheer strength. Yeah. Right? Like, if if you have any doubt that Pamela Voorhees is psychotic, she's like this little middle-aged lady mm -hmm. who managed to shove an arrow through a kid's neck. Through a bed. Through, through a, a bed. kid's neck. <laughs> I'm not sure she could have done that, actually. I'm not sure that's possible. I mean, she I'm made I'm not sure happen. the arrow would have been lauding it. Yeah. It's, a, it's an intense arrow. You know what? It's Friday the 13th. We're here for it. We're it's here for it's it. horror. Mm -hmm. the, the logic doesn't have to be there. We literally saw a dead child that has been dead for 20 years jump out of a lake and pull the girl in. Right. Well, and then in, in subsequent movies, he's a grown man. Yep. Somehow. Put the logic where you need it. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so definitely, definitely the, like I even, I even wrote it down that it was my, it was the best kill. Cause it is. It is the best kill. It, it, it is, it is arguably that is the one mm -hmm. that officially set off the slasher genre yeah because that is the one that then everyone is trying to top mm-hmm because the rest of the kills are are good um the rest of the kills are are relatively normal though yes i mean with the, I well you've got the one guy with the arrow through his eye that's pretty which one? Oh that? yes yes bill bill yes yep um, but still i mean that's what arrows do right well, and, and, and I will say, like, and they do at least, like, they follow it up with still a, a pretty solid kill with, um, with Marcy. Mm-hmm. Um, after she goes to Yet to a different bathroom. play. Yeah. Right. Yet a different sharp thing. Mm-hmm. She just has a bunch of them. Yeah. She's got them all. And she, uh. Where's she keeping them? <laughs> Where is she keeping them? Pam. Anyway. But, um. But yes, then Marcy gets the good old X to the face mm -hmm. as she's trying to go through the showers because she hears noises. She thinks that it might be Jack in the showers, like trying to like play with her or whatnot, like trying to be creepy and, and jokey. Um, Again, we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I don't know why all of these girls in the 70s were dating boys who they would like automatically assume were trying to scare the shit out of them. The fuck? Carry on. At least we've grown past that. Or, well, I would hope so. I mean, I don't know. Have the straights. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, straight people. Are you still into this? Could you could you email us at scream at fnfrightspodcast.com and tell us? Tell me. <laughs> I want to know. Are you still dating boys who are assholes? Mm -hmm. If so, I'm going to tell you to stop it. Stop it. You deserve more. You deserve better. You deserve to know that there's a psychotic killer in your house mm -hmm. and not assume it's your boyfriend. Like, 
those thoughts should never exist in the same in the no. same brain at the same time? No. And being a man, I know that we can be the worst. I'll own it. <laughs> I mean, you're wonderful. But <laughs> thank you. So are you. You're not a man, though. <laughs> I'm not a man. No, you are not a man. Um, so anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, of course, like we said, Marcy acts to the face. Um, and then then we have Brenda, who, whose murder I don't really understand. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we ever know exactly what happened to Brenda. No, because, like, you see her go out to the um to the to the um to the archery range right and then all the lights turn on all the lights turn on and then all of a sudden she screams and it and it goes to the next scene mm-hmm. um and then you don't see her again until we get to alice towards the end right when which, she's thrown through the window yes covered in rope covered in rope covered in rope covered in blood which kind of makes sense because she was just thrown through a window Right. But I'm like, were she, was she strangled? Was she... Like, this what this was a murder that was never really explained. And if she was strangled, that's weird because that's not Pamela Voorhees' no. M.O. At no, all. that's not her she M.O. at all. She I doesn't am, sharp things. Right. I would have imagined her having arrows in her, but maybe they decided to not do that because they used arrows quite a bit. Arrows had, arrows had come up quite a few times. Yeah. At that point. Um... So then we have Steve, mm-hmm. the creepy, mustached camp owner. Owner, I believe he yeah. owns it. I think his whole, I think his family owns it. I think he actually inherits it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I say creepy because he got like really weird with Alice at the very beginning. Like, oh yeah, very no. flirty. Yeah, like these are supposed to be teenage girls, and he's supposed to be a grown man. And, yeah, and he gets a little. He tries to get a little too friendly. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, so get fucked, Steve, because you're gross. But also. um, Well, and and he was another one that you like didn't. Fu- I mean, you kind of assumed based on how he reacted. He was a good kill, too. I actually enjoyed it just for the effect of like him walking up mm-hmm. to who whom ends up being Pamela Voorhees, of course. Right. But like. He's just walking up and then suddenly he just jerks back and, and has a shocked face and there's a sharp sound and then it cuts yeah. to the next scene. Like that was an mm-hmm. effective kill. Yeah. Um, which you assume that he stabbed in the stomach. It ends up being the case. Right. Um, and then the last, ki- the last murder that Pamela Voorhees commits. Right. That's true. Um, is Bill. Bill, yes. Who, by the way, is played by Harry Crosby, Bing Crosby's son. <laughs> I didn't know that! <laughs> Another what, fun fact. What a great piece of trivia that is. <laughs> oh, I bet Bing was so proud. I'm sure he was. <laughs> um, Bill was another, another, as you had mentioned, like a, a pretty... Pretty gruesome. Pretty gruesome kill. Right, arrows through the eyes. Yes. Not the best and way to go. Arrows to the eyes, throat slit, and then hung up on the back of a door. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like she was pretty mad at Bill. Yeah, there's, she had something something out for that man. 
Um, and he was a nice guy. I liked Bill. He never did. Right. That's true. He, he like, was never involved in any of the no. shenanigans at all. <laughs> Poor guy. He was a nice man. He was just trying to fix the generator. <laughs> he was just trying to fix the generator for the children. For the children. It's okay, because Mrs. Voorhees is insane. Mrs. That is true. Yes, she is full-on psychotic. Yes. And there's no, you know. And there is no merit. None of these people deserve to die. <laughs> no, not a single one of them deserves to die. Not a single die. one of them. No. Even Steve. Even Steve. Even like, Steve, as creepy as he was. Creepy as he was, did not deserve to die. No, not at all. Nope. Um, Which... Just as a, a quick mention, the fact that Mrs. Voorhees definitely had dissociative identity disorder. I think it's it's a combination of things. But yes. that is an interesting point to bring up because Pamela Voorhees, unlike Michael Myers, where he is supposed to be just plain old evil mm -hmm. and there is no reason, right? Pamela Voorhees, you almost feel sorry for. Yeah. Right? Like it's, she's clearly lost her mind. Mm-hmm. The grief of losing her child has made her lose her mind. And like a little bit of me wishes that my mom would react this way. <laughs> <laughs> right? She would like, like, this is a little extreme. But like, I would appreciate if my mom was like, I'm gonna fuck some people up if my son died because you were having sex and not watching him. Funny you should mention that because that is a very similar statement to the one that the screenwriter made. Yeah. About Pamela Voorhees. It's like... I wish I had a mom like that who would kill for her kids. It's, I mean. In fact, the screenwriter, Victor Miller, was a screenwriter, mm -hmm. hated all of the sequels. Yes. Yeah, because they weren't hated supposed to them. be, because Jason's supposed, Jason to be was supposed to be the dead. victim. Yep. Jason was a victim. He hated that he made them the villain. He wanted people to feel sorry. Definitely feel sorry for Jason mm -hmm. and sympathize even a little bit with Pamela Voorhees, even if you, like, disagree with what she's doing obviously you do because you're not a murderer we hope um you stare like oh this poor woman mm -hmm. she's gone crazy you could argue though that that is gendered oh absolutely like that we feel more sympathy mm -hmm. toward female killers in general yeah even real ones Mm -hmm. than uh, male ones. So then we are coming to the close mm -hmm. of the film. So Alice is... Another thing you do not expect. Yeah, right. Um, so of course, like, Alice is going to try to find Bill. Finds Bill. <laughs> not in the way that she expected. Screams and dances through the forest back right. to... And then... Would you would you like to explain? So, yes. So, would you like to explain why you're kind of mad at Alice? I have feelings about Alice being a final girl. <laughs> I have feelings and emotions. So, Alice makes choices. She does. So, the first choice that she makes that I had a problem with, and I'm like, I get it. Like, you find you're in this camp. It's it it's right. You're away from home. It's pitch black. It's storming. Like you're Suddenly freaking you're out. finding dead bodies. Dead bodies everywhere. I mean, I probably wouldn't be thinking clearly either. Right. Um. However. So the first thing that I have a problem with is. Oh wait. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I have other problems that are like small and insignificant, but I can maybe talk about those afterwards. Yeah. Or yeah. or build up. 
One or the other. So, okay. Up so, so here are two small problems that I have. One of them okay. is personal. Okay. Because I hate the game Monopoly and never in my fucking life would I ever play Strip Monopoly. Because oh, yeah, one, you're not so going to see my naked body as a friend. And two, fuck Monopoly. Right. And like, what is, what is even... How do you even play Strip Monopoly? How do you, and it would, and it takes six goddamn hours to play Monopoly. Yes, exactly. Like, I mean, the whole point of strip games is that, you know, you get to the end pretty quick. Like the whole point is to get naked. Right. And, like and you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you want right. something that is going to get somebody's clothes off as quickly as possible. You're not going to be like, you know what? Let's play the longest game in creation. Right. <laughs> Instead, you're fighting over Baltic Avenue like a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of fucking savages. Um. <laughs> this is not the way to get laid, friends. Right. <laughs> much more or much more efficient ways trust us yes um the other thing that i had written down that okay. really bothered me and i understand that it was just like it wasn't actually like meant to be a part of the movie but it still mm-hmm. bothered me okay is that when alice was so when this is when bill was going to fix the generator and alice was starting to make like a couple of cups of coffee after she woke up from her nap mm-hmm and she poured two, she got two cups ready. She poured two teaspoons of instant coffee, which, ugh, instant coffee, first choice. But I'll let, it pa- I, I'll let it pass, because mm-hmm. yes, 1980. At a camp. She doesn't fucking put the lid back on the goddamn <laughs> instant coffee. She just, she starts to put it on and gives up midway through and just puts it on the thing again. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> Close the goddamn jar. So these are very personal things for me. I'm sorry that I went on that little tangent, but they are what they are. We're going to take a deep breath. (sighs) Okay. All right. Now I'm going to tell you about why I don't like her as the final girl. Um, Right. Actual reasons. (laughs) These are actual actual (laughs) reasons. Actual, Um, like, plot reasons. Right. Okay. Go Um, So, (laughs) yeah, I even wrote down also instant why? <laughs> also, instant why? Because 1980. Because 1980. Um, so the first problem that I have is that when Alice runs back to the house and, you know, tries blockading herself in. So first off, she tries tugging on the door to pull it closed more, which does not make any sense because that's not how doors work. <laughs> not generally. No. no. You have a lock or you don't. Mm-hmm. The second thing that she does, which I am on board with, is that she does throw a, which she had a noose. Which was kind of interesting. I don't it know is why Camp it was Blood. Already, it was, I mean, it is Camp Blood. But it was already a noose. I'm like, all right. I'll let which that is, slide. Yeah, which is convenient because if you've right. ever tried to tie a noose. It's a fucking bitch to do. <laughs> so it takes fucking ever. Yes. So, like, you would not be able to save yourself from a killer by tying a noose. No. Um, but she, and, and I'm like, okay. Cool. Tying a knot around the door handle, trying to tie it to like tie it and and keep it shut. Right. Simple machines. What's that? I said simple machines. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. tie more than one goddamn knot. (laughs) Yeah. At least double knot that shit. Right. Right. Because you are going to be able to untie that knot real quickly. Right. You pull on that door, it's open. Right. And somebody in a psychotic state who's like strong enough to push an arrow through a bed and a guy's neck is going to just be gonna able to, rip that door right off is sure as shit is mm-hmm. um then <laughs> she decides to take a, uh chairs several uh first several blocks of wood mm-hmm. 
several stumps or pieces of wood, whatever. I think it was firewood yeah. or something. Yeah. She takes firewood, a chest, and several chairs to try to block the door that gets pulled in the opposite direction. You know what, Sean? I had literally never noticed that until you pointed it out tonight. And like, it's, and then we just watched that scene and it's, it's, you're just like, uh-huh. Like what? It... So you're going to just set up a, a an I mean, obstacle course? Is that what you're doing? You're, I mean, you are at a camp. Somewhere beyond the barricade is the world you want to see. Um, <laughs> I did good. I didn't sing it. I just said it. Um, <laughs> does that count? <laughs> This is audio commentary, right? Um, I suppose that it would at least slow her down. Like, she would come through the door and have to, like, get through that stuff. Right. So it would at least slow her down. But it's not going to keep her from coming through the door. Right. For sure. I mean, because she then ends up pushing it out of the way to leave. Because she did see Pamela Voorhees drive up. Which I'm like, okay. That's fair. Right. She doesn't know that she is she is running directly into the arms of the killer. Right. Right. Um so then we you know, we get to Pamela Voorhees, we're talking, she's Alice is discovering that Pamela Voorhees is in fact crazy and is in fact the killer. Ooh, that is though effective, right? Yes. That like that like slow burn reveal of mm-hmm. like, oh no. Yeah. Oh. Like, oh, you were the cook. Oh. Oh. There was a child that drowned. Oh, that child was your son. Now you're shaking me, and I'm a little uncomfortable. Uh Uh-huh. The other problem that I have is coming up. So, you know, so Alice is running away from Mrs. Voorhees. Mm -hmm. Um, She ends up finding her. Mrs. Voorhees ends up attacking Alice. And Alice is trying to defend herself by throwing whatever she can find at her. Hmm. One of which is like a thing of twine. <laughs> I'm like, so I wrote this down as defending herself by throwing bullshit at Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> she was throwing literally nothing that was effective. She just swatted it away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but Again, I will say. Slows her down. Slows her down. But does and, not stop her. Right. And I get it. So like. it In a while I feel like I'm being nitpicky with that one, so right. I'll I'll fully own that one. I I do understand that she's like I just am throwing whatever the fuck I can at right. her, it's and this is what it what is I at can hand. Reach. So I do want to celebrate her for some smart moments, though. Okay. So it's very diplomatic of you. She because she's got she did some smart things too. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like she's maybe not the worst final girl, but like she's got some problems. Those are the problems. One of the things that I wanted to celebrate her on is that when she's running away from Mrs. Voorhees, she ends up hiding behind some extra like floating dock pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mrs. Voorhees like just walks right by her and then Alice runs in the opposite direction. Very smart. Right. Um, not We're not going directly to the killer. No. We are running in the opposite direction. Smart. And not screaming. Not screaming. Keeping quiet. Um, and... Mrs. Voorhees does end up finding her, of course, because that's just how it goes. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a movie. Right. Um, You're like, oh, it's over. Well, because she she also ends up hiding in, like, the pantry mm-hmm. in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and she does, like, lock the door, keep, tries to keep quiet. She gets a little loud, but I'm like, with just with her breathing. Right. <clears throat> but again, panic. Right. She is freaking out. She's just been running. Of course, you're going to breathe loud. 
So when Mrs. Voorhees finds her, she ends up defending herself with a cast iron, which I found was pretty smart. She found one of those cast iron skillet. Right. Like, let's not just grab the first thing. Like, let's find something that's going to actually do some damage. Right. Yeah. Um, and she, I mean, she, she got her good. She made her head bleed from that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course. Speaking the, of her head. <laughs> right. Speaking of her head. The next smart thing that she did in a way. I mean, she went a little over the top with it. Well, but I mean, she didn't hesitate. No, and, she did And didn't. that is, that is, I mean, it's a pretty badass moment. Like, as yeah. much as we were just talking about being slightly sympathetic to Mrs. Voorhees, like, that is, that is quite a moment. And again, one of those moments in the film that you are just not expecting. Yeah. Like. Not even a little bit. Even as this fight is happening and she's mm-hmm. like, you know, being, holding her own in this fight. Mm-hmm. Like, the last thing that you are expecting is for her to chop the woman's head off. Right. Like, and the, I mean, again, this is Tom Savini. This is, this is, um, you know, Cunningham and Savini having fun mm-hmm. with how, how sort of like visually, um, how they can do this visually. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that head goes flying off. Yeah. It's gone. <laughs> and then like she reaches for it yes after she oh gets my god cut off and i'm like not sure that's how that works that's not how that works We're however not, she's not as chicken no like you're not going to keep moving but you're definitely not going to have like the sentient thought of like where is my head because right. your head's the part gone. that has thoughts has gone. left your body <laughs> <laughs> you can't think anymore at that point but you know it's but, still effect visually it's very effective yes. like the hands coming up and and starting to like it convulse. makes it look more real right um i have no idea how like a body reacts when its head is cut off no i don't imagine it's that way probably not i imagine they just it just falls yeah i mean there might be some some slight sort of like bah. yeah some probably like some twitching or something like that some convulsing yeah i did twitch by the way i didn't just make a weird noise you can't see me. You can't see her. You can't see either of us. Nope. Because this is what? A podcast. It's a podcast. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, actually, I guess there are video podcasts, but this isn't one of them. So this is not one of them. Um, Okay. The last, the last little thing that I was like, again, I understand it because she's exhausted. She just killed a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Extremely traumatizing. I mean, like. Yeah. One of the things that I think does not get talked about enough when we do talk about the the sort of final girls mm-hmm. is that they do often end up taking a life. And, and that, even if it's in self-defense, even if it's somebody who has killed all of your friends in the last 16 hours, um, just the incredible trauma mm-hmm. of that part of it, of the taking of the life. Like, she chopped a woman's head off. Yeah. She has to deal with that. That's no small thing. Like, anyway, sorry. No, 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 no. Well, and that's, so that I feel like ties into it. So like, Mm -hmm. but it still irked me a little bit. So, because, you know, when she like got away from Mrs. Voorhees the first time, she goes and like just stares at the lake for a little bit. And then when she kills Mrs. Voorhees, she just gets into a canoe without a paddle. Right. And just drifts into the lake. Yeah. And I'm like. And then tries to like swimming with her hand. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, if you would have just grabbed a paddle. Right. But probably in a daze. And right. in fairness, discounting the fact that there is a a 
zombie child corpse thing in the lake. Mm-hmm. Getting on the water was a good idea. Yeah. Right? Because it would be much harder for someone to get to you out there. Exactly. Like, it's it's not a bad place to hide. But yes, it probably would have been smarter to have some way to control the boat that you're in. Right. And also potentially try to get away in case... So, well, I mean, at that point, I guess the person that was attacking you is now dead. So, But you don't necessarily know that she was acting alone. Right. So you could have brought a paddle just in case if someone tries swimming out to you. Right. I mean, like, you know, she... I mean, what what were we what were we up to by the end of the movie? Eight bodies, right? Like, it would be reasonable to assume there might be more than one killer. Mm-hmm. Like, did this one little lady actually kill all these people? But she sure as shit did. I mean, she did. She had a very productive evening. Yeah. Um, can I also just? I don't know if this was a. If this might just be a thought of mine, but like, I was just surprised on how weak in self-defense Mrs. Voorhees was. And maybe it was also the fact that she was a bit older at that point. I mean, at that point, she's probably in her 50s. I would just... Or 40s, at least. I think she's supposed to be in her 50s. Yeah. Because um, you think she had Jason when she was in her 20s. He was around 10 when he died, so she would have been in her 30s, and then that was 20 years. So, yeah, she would have been in her 50s. Yeah. Um, but, like, when she's defending herself against Alice, she is not... The greatest at defending herself. It doesn't necessarily match with the level of brutality and strength that she shows on the offense. Mm -hmm. So I I would agree. But I guess at the same point, no one else was expecting her to kill them. That's true. She had had the element of surprise for sure. And also, like we said, she'd had a very productive evening. So it's possible by the time she got to Alice that she was just exhausted. I mean, I would imagine. I know I would be exhausted if I had just killed eight people. I mean. I would assume. I'm not saying I would because I know. He does not know that from personal experience. Not at all. Just so we know. Don't call the police on us, please. Please and thank you. Um, but yeah. So those are all of my pet peeves and, and all of my approvals of. Of Alice as of the Alice. final girl. Yes. But again. Like, yes, obviously. Laurie Strode forever. Love her. Mm-hmm. But Alice cemented the trope of the yes. final girl. One hundred percent. She was. That is exactly who that girl is in every movie going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that they ended up taking the. They took that aspect of final girl and like turned it up a notch. Yeah. But because she chopped her goddamn head off. Yes. They. She set a. She set a precedent. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is that the right is that the right thing? Can I share really quickly? I mean, obviously we can expand on this when we talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. But since it does tie into the franchise because it is a movie in the franchise sort of, can I talk about my favorite final girl moment of all time? Oh, please do. It is in Freddy versus Jason. How did I know it was going to be Freddy versus <laughs> Jason? <laughs> so at some point in that movie, her name is Lori. Her name is also Lori, which you have to wonder if that was on purpose or not. But at some point when Freddy drags her into the dream world, he says, welcome to my world, bitch. Right? Right. Because Freddy Krueger is actually misogyny personified. Yep. Which we will talk about when we get to A Nightmare on, on Elm Street. But at the end, she's got him on the, the fucking dock at Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. Right? They have now sort of recruited Jason and are trying to like just kind of steer him toward freddy because they have 
rightly realized that like freddy is the more dangerous one right right because like you have to be able to sleep <laughs> right <laughs> um she's got a flamethrower or something i don't even remember exactly what the weapon was but she's like bruised and sweaty and bloody and her clothes are all torn and she goes welcome to my world bitch and then she shoots him off the dock <laughs> and it is the best it is my favorite <laughs> come to my world bitch i mean that's pretty much it i mean after so after that so we have the 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 tom savini yes stroke epic, of genius epic yes, boat scene which we've already talked about ari layman i don't know how to pronounce his last name l-e-h-m-a-n that sounds right i feel like layman is right mm -hmm. um playing jason that's so he is he is the first jason and the first jason. not only is he the first jason he is in a band called I mean... first jason <laughs> <laughs> is that true what is 100 true i've listened to his music it's actually pretty good is it like is it metal it's like a it's like rock and metal like okay. it like he has both um and all of the songs for the most part are about friday the 13th I mean, it, and horror in general. I feel like it would kind of shape your identity if you were that kid. Right. For he sure. wanted to play Fr Jason so bad. I almost said he wanted to play Freddy. He wanted to play Jason <laughs> he so play bad. Freddy. He can't play Freddy. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. This might be a controversial statement. There is only one Freddy. But Robert England all the way. All, all day. Mm -hmm. Can I discuss a little bit? About the video game. Just like a hot second about it. Yeah, sure. Go for okay. it. Okay. So, so I wanted to... Because I think we should touch on that. That there was like... This is a franchise that has expanded beyond film. Yes. Right? There are books. Mm-hmm. There was a TV series that actually had nothing to do with the plot of the movie. But by that same token, the plot of the movie had nothing to do with Friday the 13th. So... So it makes sense. It makes sense. I've actually never seen the show and I really feel like I need to. I've seen a couple of episodes, but we yeah. should absolutely find it and like yeah. watch the whole thing. Because I know sure. I've seen, I've seen the entire series on like DVD at some point. So oh I'm yeah, sure no, it's available. It yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm like, I definitely need to watch that. Mm -hmm. um, but they created an entire video game based on this. Mm -hmm. They did such a great job with this game. Gun Media, um... I'm forgetting the rest of the studios that did this. I know Gun Media is one of the main ones. Um, well, and we can just say that the Friday the 13th franchise is a particularly difficult one to tie together. Yeah. And they did it. it is all over the place. Right. I mean, they they tied it together in a way that they could. Right. While it being like, because, I mean, of course, the game is like, you play in different, different maps. So you mm -hmm. have Camp Crystal Lake. You have Camp Pakanak. You yeah, have Manhattan. Uh, there is no Manhattan, unfortunately. There's Higgins Lake or Higgins Haven. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's at least one or two others, and I'm just blanking on them right now. Mm -hmm. I played every single map at uh, hundreds of times at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you have the different Jasons that you can unlock within the game, and they're different, like the different movie versions of him. Right. Um, I almost wish that there was a playable. Pamela Voorhees, I think that that would be really fun. Yes. I don't, and I, I don't know if they ended up thinking about it. I know that they were planning on actually adding a Jason X to it. And. Oh, there's not a Jason X? There's not a Jason X. There needs to be a Jason X. Come on. So I love this game. It is such a great, 
it's a 20 minute round max you play it you win you lose whatever and then you move on and you play another round mm-hmm. i'm like that's just how the movies even work <laughs> i was just gonna say <laughs> that is this franchise yeah 100 you're like you're not really gonna even remember this no like do you remember individual plot points probably not not at all like, go ahead and tell me what happens in Friday the 13th 3. Right. Guarantee you can't. Uh, I can't. <laughs> Not right now. Right? Nope. Um, but yeah, so wonderful game. Highly recommend it. Uh, even with the shit players that can sometimes be on there mm. that like to just troll around and act like assholes. As they do. As they do. It's an online game, so you... Happens. It, it, yeah. it's, can't avoid it. Right. It's what you should expect. Mm-hmm. But the game is a lot of fun. I was just playing it last night. I play it quite frequently. Um, so definitely, 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 definitely download it if you have not already. Oh, I have. Um, which, speaking of which, Katie, you and I need to play it together because we yes, have not yet. Yes, absolutely. And Dead by Dawn. Yes. And Dead by Dawn. Um, which we specifically bought so we could play it together. <laughs> we did. <laughs> six goddamn months ago yep and we still haven't done it but you know we did this whole starting a podcast thing so it's taken up a little bit of our time (laughs) we'll get to it we'll get there um but yeah so that's pretty much it i uh oh they also do use music from the movies too yes so i mean you gotta because what how could you not right so definitely heavily inspired by it they've added a lot to the game before they had to shut it down um and that's pretty much it all right. Well, awesome. Yeah, for sure. Go mm-hmm. go play that game. I do also think that they have added single player now, right? They have added single player. There is a, a story mode to it. Mm-hmm. Um, see, that's what I like. I like this. I like the. I like the stories. See, it's like it's. I, I mean, it's even a if it's not great, mode, yeah, right. it's, it, I have not played much of the single player mode. I know that there's. Uh, like Jason's cabin that you can go and explore and there's like a bunch of Easter eggs in there and, and fun things to find. Um, and then, yeah, the single player modes. Interesting. I have, a, I just have a lot of fun being able to play with other people and like, it's very interactive with the other people you right. have. You have to find uh, walkie talkies so you can talk to each other and then you can find like pocket knives to defend yourself against oh, that's Jason. Cool. So like it's it's not just that they took this IP and like built a shitty game around it, which yeah. they do a lot looking at UET. But <laughs> legendary. <laughs> how bad it is. But like it would have been a good game even if it wasn't Jason. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, they they have a really great creative element to the game. Cool. So definitely a lot of it's a lot to do within the game in a way. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to Dead by Daylight, mm-hmm. but I would say it's slower paced in a way, but I appreciate it. Right. It's slower paced because it's intentional. Right. Mm-hmm. So definitely right. a lot of fun. Well, yeah, we should definitely play that. <laughs> that would be fun to do like a live episode of just like playing yes. a couple of rounds of or Friday could, the 13th. Yeah. Or we can make like a Twitch. That would also be really fun. Mm-hmm. <sighs> We should make a Twitch and everyone can watch me suck at video games, but it'd be entertaining. They can watch us suck at video games together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's it for Friday the 13th. Yeah. Part one. Part one, obviously. We will see you the next Friday the 13th, which I have no idea when that is, but. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We will talk. We will talk more for sure. 
Um, next week, we are going to be covering Night of the Living Dead. And I will tell you about the time that I met George Romero. I'm almost painted. <laughs> I could also tell you about the time that I met George Romero. But I did not almost faint. Well, it was the same event. <laughs> it was the same event. We were there. We were both there. We were both there. I don't think we were there together. But I don't think that time we were there together. I literally stopped breathing. Not kidding. <laughs> Please follow us on Spotify. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts because apparently that's very important. Yes, please do that. Uh, follow us on Instagram. We are currently sitting at 52 followers. I was wrong last week. 52 followers. So, you know, uh, grab more people so that I can get that, that Freddy Krueger tattoo. Uh, we are on Facebook at... Friday Night Frights. We are on Twitter at FN Frights Pod. We have a, our own website, FNFrightsPodcast.com, with the email address scream at FNFrightsPodcast.com. We also uh, have set up Fright Club. Fright Club is live. It's here. It is here. There will be links to it in our bio sections of our social media and also on our website. We humbly ask for your support so we can keep making this podcast because we are having so much fun. <laughs> um it's really a blast guys. it's really a blast and we, we hope that you're enjoying it even half as much as we are we still want to hear from you though about what you want to see from fright club and what would make it worth your while for sure mm -hmm. uh and katie what is the first rule of fright club the first rule of fright club is always check the door make sure that motherfucker's locked Make sure you're blocking it in the right direction. Make sure, you know, go ahead and make sure that you know whether that door pushes or pulls. It's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to know. Just to have that knowledge in the back of your mind with any door in any any sort of space that you're in. Because you never know when, it, when you're going to have to interact with that door in a life or death fashion. And if it's a two-way swinging door, just stay the fuck away from it because right? it's not going to do Get you any good. Get out of that room. <laughs> <laughs> Not the place you should be. No. And so, gays and ghouls, tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. And until then, sleep tight. <laughs>